Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What's up? It's me, Tom, from CannabisIndustryLawyer.com, and today we have a very special episode. We're going to be talking about uh, how the federal marijuana prohibition laws are, they've at least kind of ground to a halt, and then how they might actually end with the Robot Fire Amendment. So uh, tune in. It's a really good one. And of course, you don't have to be 21 plus uh, to watch because you can be 18 to vote, but it's a 21 plus topic because we're going to be talking about the legal cannabis industry. Hello, everybody. Thanks hey. for coming on, Eric, Miggy. What's up, Eric? Hey, where are you from? Good to see you. Eric, where are you from? I'm from uh, Washington, D.C. I live in D.C. and uh, practice in Virginia and across the country federally. But I'm, wow. I'm yep. an East, East Coaster. Are you a, a business lawyer as well, like Tom is? Or are you uh, like a... I mean, I, I primarily am. Um got into litigation really as part of a, a, a cannabis um, criminal defense that, that we're doing. Uh, Tom uh, knows about it and spoken about it on the uh, the show here. Uh, but primarily, I work with entrepreneurs uh, like Tom does, uh, work in the licensing space, compliance, try to keep folks from shooting themselves in the foot and what have you, and help progress the law as, as much as we can. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful to be able to be here and speak with you guys about my perspective of things totally well especially yeah. in dc you gotta be able to see all the politics stuff happen the- oh it's enough to give you the shit man it's it's awful here um i mean you guys know right like is there really any practical reason for uh not having deschedulization or or, or a pathway to legalization at this point when you have over 70 percent of americans in the latest uh, uh i think it was pupil or even another another major one supporting legalization it's not even a question anymore so yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's just like everything else you got two sides that want whatever they want it has nothing to do with cannabis and we wait for them to figure it out. Yeah, that's a, a darn shame that like it is. It's a nonpartisan issue. Everybody wants it. Screw you. I have other things that I want done first because there's no real lobby for it as the industry is still quite small, uh, even though yeah. everybody's like, oh, it's growing so fast and so large. And I'm like, yeah, not really. Uh, but um 
the Robocker Fire Amendment is what we're really going to do a deep dive into today and how that particular piece of legislation, uh, which is interesting, uh, has really allowed the raids to stop and maybe even uh, provided uh, some ammunition uh, against uh, unjust raids, uh, at least when they are uh, to a state licensed medical cannabis entity. There's still no, uh, and then so like with the, the, the log jam that's in Congress that you spoke of, uh, no agreement there. Uh, it's still only medical, right? The, the most recent budget didn't expand that definition to include any state medical cannabis, or I'm sorry, any state cannabis laws, did they? No, no, they haven't. And, and, and that's right. The, the law itself is, it protects or seeks to protect the medical operators, uh, patients, doctors. Um, it, it doesn't seek to protect uh, adult use because really that wasn't a major thing across the country at the point. However, on the adult use side, and, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's more of a 10th Amendment issue. Uh, if a state decides to legalize it, and the feds want to come in and start doing arrests and things like that, the state probably would be uh, a party in that suit, wouldn't you think? Uh, yeah, because the states can. Uh, but again, like I've never been a criminal lawyer. Uh, the only stuff that I've learned about criminal law has to do because I got into this industry. And for some reason, it's still a crime. And so um, the 10th Amendment issue has to do with like the police powers. I have to go way back to law school on that because I never practiced criminal law. And I thought the police powers were inherently in the state's purview. Mm -hmm. It's what their power is. And so they're allowed to set those police powers and they're allowed to say when, who gets arrested, who gets prosecuted. The federal government is the government of limited jurisdiction. And so they have very limited ability to be able to go in and bust you. Uh, but I, I would assume that the DEA may still um, be running wires somewhere. And then if oh, yeah. somebody in law enforcement is sympathetic and doesn't like weed, even if it is legal in their state, they may go along and allow for like the DEA to raid a place, for example. So much. So you said so much in that. I mean, we're talking about bias, implicit and explicit bias yeah. against the cannabis industry. We're talking about really interesting legal things, constitutional law in some aspects. Right. Uh, and really, you know, as I, I've been a part of this case for a while and I, I, I've, I've gone so deep on, you know, what Warbacher FAR means and, and what it means is uh, the DOJ is prevented from spending any funds to, let's just call it, significantly interfere or interfere at all in a state's ability to manage its medical marijuana program. Um, and so just doing that deep dive, what you really find is that there is a whole notion of the people of this country are finally saying, you know, we get to govern ourselves. Like we chose this government. We choose our government. We choose the laws. And now we have laws that are oppressing ourselves because the majority of us <laughs> don't like those laws. But we're at the waning era of drug wars. And these are the last battles in the courtroom, the last prosecutions. I mean, years from now, and that could be next year, a year or two years uh, we're not going to be talking about these types of prosecutions anymore because they won't be worth the price that the DOJ and the government has to pay because uh, savvy attorneys are going to start really looking at and understanding, hold on a second, can you do this? Were you able to spend the money that you did to get all the, the information that you got so you could develop this conspiracy you've manufactured in order to shut down this medical marijuana business? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And know? they had a state license. And then like, it's not just, it'd be one thing if you were completely flouting your state and federal law. But if you're complying with your federal law, then you have those issues with the 10th Amendment police powers and then also uh, the Robacher-Farah Amendment's complete ban, at least when it's in the medical sense. But I just can't believe that, you know, with all the campaign promises, the popularity of, of cannabis and its growth, especially on the East Coast this year, uh, they couldn't get one word taken out of that. They couldn't have just deleted the word medical and be like right. state licensed cannabis business. You know, what the Ooh. heck? Is there just no agreement on this issue, which really is uh, frustrating for somebody who's in the industry, you know? Well, I, I think people, you know, as I've said before, the normies, it's hard to wrap their head around. It's medical, but it's also recreational, you know? Like, you know, we can say alcohol will clean a wound, but I can't, you know, or even like a beer a day is good for you to help flush your system. But, you, you know, some people will drink 12 packs a day or whatever, but that's not what's the recommended dosage. Same as cannabis. Cannabis is a is a good plant for your endocannabinoid system, but it's also something that I'll do all day, <laughs> you know, just because it makes me feel better in my day. Like there's so much bullshit out there. It's like, Hey, this is my choice. My, my wellness issue, you know, and, and, and that should be the thing. It's a wellness issue. You know, as long as the people are confused by this whole scheduling bullshit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, you know, when we're about to do this today, I was thinking it was, Robocker thing was taken down, but that was the Cole memo, and the Cole memo and the, and the Robocker are about the same age. What's the significance? Uh, do you guys, you know, one's actually legislation, the other one's just a uh, what is it like a dis, uh, uh, an attorney general it's an administrative directive? I guess yeah. would be a, a simple way of putting it. The administration or the executive branch cannot make law, despite what some previous presidents may think. And so uh, they are not allowed to make law, but they are allowed to enforce the law. For right, for example, if Joe Biden wasn't uh, at the correspondence dinner, you know, making jokes that somebody else wrote for him, uh, he would then have no excuse, really, of uh, creating a moratorium on the enforcement of the uh, federal marijuana laws, uh, you know, because they've already been enjoined for the medical, enjoined them for the adult use. And then how about you let all those people out of prison? Uh, he could commute mm-hmm. those sentences as well. But, you know... Um, Yet he doesn't. Isn't it part of the problem, though, like these old fuckers have this whole, like, romanticism about the parliamentary procedure, right? Like, they're all going to go kumbaya and hug hands and become united for Americans, whereas they can't even get their shit together about half the stuff that, uh, uh, you know, their they're lead talking head, I just saw the other day, Tucker Carlson, he, you know, he, he made a, a defense statement. And he, he said, I may say some controversial things, things like uh, marijuana is not medicine. And it's like, you know, the average American knows it's medicine at this point, right? Most people know it's okay. It's not a, it is medicine. It's a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to think like, hey, this plant that's been uh, locking people up and separating kids and all the other horrible things in society, you know, that's part of the thing. I, I think, Eric, too, you're talking about how in the future, all the DA and all this wasted money, the, the fact is it's already happened. You know, we're, we're so, how much billions of dollars are we put against this plant and the plant's still winning, <laughs> you know? The, the, the simple ignorance that we hold as this uh, drug. Well, thing. think about it from you know a very linear uh, perspective. The states decided at some point that they were going to allow this this agricultural product, this plant, to be harvested and sold as a product for consumables. And at the same time that they allowed that, they invited people to participate gave them license to do so under the banner of protection that 
um, you're not running afoul of the law. Here's the law now. It's our state law. But at the exact same time, the federal government just decided, not the people decided, the federal government decided, whatever that means, that it was going to selectively enforce certain aspects of the law because uh, and, and uh, I'm making this point for a reason. The law is schedule one, federal illegality. The law is also Rohrbacher Far. Don't spend any money on medicinal cannabis businesses. It's very simple. They're choosing which law to to uh, to follow. Selective following the the old regime, the bias against cannabis, the easy access to capital. Mm. You want to talk about uh, uh, what the what the real story is? If I if I'm the government and I'm shortfall, I want to steal twenty million dollars to keep my uh, uh, you know my budgets yeah. going. Uh, there's this thing called civil asset forfeiture, uh, and I'm going to go after the biggest dog I can, uh, loop them into some conspiracy, paint them as a bad guy in, in every public medium that's possible, drag them through the mud, steal all their stuff, force them to go through an incredibly stressful uh, and expensive trial to clear their name. That's where we're at in the world for a plant, for an agricultural product. Well, at least they aren't uh, doing the raids anymore. And uh, a lot of like I'm not even seeing like raids against Cresco or nothing. But uh, uh, you know, well, Lance Glore is something we talk about a lot on the show. Yeah. And Miggy was uh, involved in activism regarding that. And it was a very similar type of scenario where you have some cop that's got a hard on uh, against weed and also doesn't like a particular person. It's that prosecutorial discretion and that caprice. Mm -hmm. So they can screw with somebody because they don't like what they're doing or they don't like them. Um, that's that's well, not. Wouldn't you cool. agree that it's more likely in an in an environment where we have legacy folks who who may be known or suspected uh, by local police to have been involved, and then jealousies when all of a sudden it's legal and these guys are profiting, and but we always wanted to put them in jail. I mean, that's friction, right? It's still well, a gray area, yeah. Because I was saying, because the race, not just Cali though, but what we're, we're the federal raids, right? Fed, the federal raids have federal been raids, happening. right? The Fed raids. So when you see a raid now, it's usually because an operator is going outside the bounds of their license, and it's the state policing its own actions. Well, you have the and state. Like, you've seen yeah. that in Oklahoma recently as well. You've seen some raids yeah. in Oklahoma, you know. But they're also like those bullshit joint task force shit, right? Like there's still some funding to the state level bullshit where it's like. Like that's how they got Lance, right? It was a state investigation that started in Washington State by making a legal medical purchase. Like this dude got turned away at the door because he didn't have a script to enter the door. So he had to go to the system, the process that you do to, to, to get the access. He gets the access, and that's the collective evidence that was used against him. That was like the smoking gun and like you know, these brick and mortar shops haven't been raided by federals in a while, but the, the state levels, because they're still the, uh, I shared a story in our Slack the other day. Uh, there was a CBD store, I think, in Kansas that got raided. Like, you know, the, the people are still being harassed. But, you know, it, it's funny, Eric, that you bring up the point that this is a federal crime. And, I, and I've been thinking about, like, today having this conversation on a federal level. But it's also that the, the plant, this law it's perhaps the only like really egregious law, like up there with like racial disparity bullshit, right? Like how many other laws do we have out there that we're really fighting for going, this is seriously fucked up. Like, you know, we're not just like taking babies and, and, and ruining lives, you know, like you said, asset forfeiture and all the other things that are out there. We're criminalizing. We're using, we're 
putting people in our goddamn, uh, 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 you know, uh, private prisons for for just cattle. So and then, meanwhile, while you're doing that, you're allowing other ones to make millions of dollars. And then point, and you're allowing that to happen. And then instead of changing the law, you double tax them because it's illegal. And so like the only enforcement that they're doing and the Robach Rafar doesn't apply to this. And so like another thing that would be great is if we expanded from the Department of Justice to the federal government. Uh, and so a complete defunding, uh, because then IRC 280 is gone and your dispensary is substantially more profitable. And that's when it's OK to do rent for a percentage gross. Don't do it if. And unless you run the numbers, because not to mention the access to safe banking that these folks would get. Uh, I wonder why there's a thing with money laundering. Uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, we're going to force you to keep millions of dollars in cash on you yeah. uh, and then be like, now I need you to count for every cent. It's like, have you ever kept right. that much money? I'm not a vault. It, it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's craziness. But what did you then, guys think? OK, well, uh, and then. Cast this, the past 15, 20 years of cannabis legalization that has been hindered because of online censorship and algorithms with uh, the Oxycontin boom that just has eviscerated human lives and like 100,000 Americans gone last year. And that just was fine. You know, I remember commercials for uh, poop pills if you were addicted to uh, opioids and it gave you, um, you know, uh, indige- not indigestion, constipation. Like, yeah. does anybody else remember a few years back when there was a pill on the market for opioid constipation? Because that's messed up. And, and that's what they're advertising to. All legal. Meanwhile, well, let me, let me, let me give you a layer to that. Let me give you a layer to that. This is public information. Um, it's it's not, uh, this isn't privileged at this point. In our, uh, in our case in Maine, um, our client is a medicinal patient. And so we, uh, he has issues and his doctor prescribed for those issues. Um, and so we took on uh, the federal prohibition uh, for using cannabis as a medicine while on pretrial confinement. Okay. So if you go to through the federal prison, uh, federal uh, system, uh, you get um, bail. You can't use marijuana or they can revoke your bail and put you in jail. OK, yeah. so we're challenging that and we'll put to, to before the court a, a variety of reasons for it, uh, understanding that it's not an easy thing for the court to just say, OK, well, it's it's federally illegal, but I'm going to allow it. So the court is, is really hesitant to do that. But we gave them other ways to look at it to include discussing that there are certain FDA-approved and legal cannabinoid-derived medicines. But here's the thing that's interesting. The DOJ, in its response, said that there were alternatives, other pharmaceuticals, to what we were recommending. So what the DOJ prosecutor, what the prosecution is saying to the judge, judge, you are now a medical doctor, and you can decide what the right pharmaceutical is for this patient. How insane are we? How tied to this thing of saying weed is bad? Instead of just saying uh, you've got an FDA-approved medicine, it could trip the marijuana testing for this uh, pretrial confinement, you know, What's the better good, worse, bad here? You know, I don't know. Let's let's give a, a little 420 break. It's 20 past the hour. So on the East Coast, it definitely is 420. Think about that one. Uh, judges as your doctor.
Once so, again, my term is closed. So uh, collateral base. We'll get back to you in two weeks. <laughs> but it's the, the holistic approach, right? Like we're not allowing us people to have a choice of like, hey, do you want to try this plant that somebody just grew and uh, or do you want to take this pill that someone put in a, in a laboratory and had to wear a suit to wear to, to make it? You know, either way, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. <laughs> Well, I looked up the 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 the, um, the pharmaceuticals that uh, that the prosecutor recommended, and there was a two page long. Um, uh, these are the the uh, possible um, side effects of these drugs, and it's like at some point, can we all just agree this is absurd? Like yeah. that's yeah. an absurd thing right there. Like that we we we're so tied around this notion that the plant is bad. That we're we're actively making absurd recommendations when we're not qualified in any sense to do that. <laughs> and they've been doing it for yeah, over eight years. Really. Like they they st- it's one of the weirdest things if you look at the history of how we changed these laws back in the 30s. When the M- the the American Medical Association they come down to Washington, they're like, "Will you stop this? We quit. We quit being an idiot. We don't mind if you regulate cannabis, but first off, we call it cannabis. You know, in the medical hey. literature." Uh, so by calling it marijuana, you're just confusing people and inflaming them. Uh, and then uh, they didn't listen. And, and then they they did some more studies when they didn't listen 30 years ago. Uh, well, 30 years thereafter in uh, 1969, when the Controlled Substances Act was getting drafted. And they put it back in. And the Democrats were like, wait, remember how we weren't supposed to do this? Uh, why are we doing this again? And they go, don't worry, we'll study it. And so that's the Schaefer Commission. That's 50 years old now. Still hasn't been read by Richard Nixon, who's been dead for 30 years. Uh, and yet it's still there. The prejudice still there. Absolutely. Well, how, how, long, how long will it be there until people say, I'm not talking about this case, but I'm now talking about um, you know, prosecution against marijuana, generally speaking. If the people stop convicting, we're not going to convict for this. Then there won't be any more trials. Yeah, right. But you, you know, people like to say cannabis common sense as like a thing with the plant itself, but I think it's more of a, a drug common sense, right? From coffee to, to alcohol to heroin. Uh, uh, you know, there's this like, why can we watch like, because I, I still watch TV antenna, antenna TV and get my local, you know, stuff, you know, locally. And uh, they still stream those damn commercials, of, you know, the, the drug commercials, right? Tom and I were talking the last show about in Europe. They don't. They ban drug commercials, right? There's no go ask your doctor about this Viagra pill that'll give you a hard on for ten hours. No, it's your doctor's supposed to give you the percent, you know, the, the the actual you know information about what's helpful and not. So that's part of the problem too, because these guys, you know, the FDA is here to protect you, but yet at the same time, I just watched this happy drug commercial. Apparently, I can get anal bleeding. It'll be okay. I mean, but like, the, 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 uh, the corporate speech rights. And so there's commercial speech rights there at play. And so the pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise directly to consumers and have them go give them a call to action to go call, talk to their doctors. I can't buy an ad at all to like advertise, my, not even my plant touching license. You know, like I'm not tier one. It's a service provider to tier one. So like a tier two MRB, um, you know, just an ancillary still can't get ads. Uh, it's Broccoli couldn't get an ad on the Super Bowl. You still can't. Was there any pharmaceutical ads on the Super Bowl? Mm. Any? Probably. <laughs> but that's, Probably. that's uh, commercial speech. There's no such thing as commercial speech for cannabis. And, and then you look at uh, the cannabis regulations when it comes to advertising. 
Holy Christmas. You can you can be advertising for Caesars Casino on television with dancing movie stars, and then you cannot advertise at all for medical marijuana or for regular adult use marijuana unless you are compliant with a brick of, of uh, lists of regulations and things that you have to you know affirm. Like one of the craziest ones is in New Jersey, where you have to have like a 90% certainty that 71.7% of your audience is like above 21. It's oh, this God. just weird thing that you're going through the advertisement regulations for compliance. And then you're yeah. like, what? But that's the rules. Look, excessive. But yeah, alcohol don't get that. Or it does maybe they try and pull some of the rules. But I mean, how is it that you can watch a commercial in and in, 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 in the disclaimer it says death? Like, I mean, that's all it is. Disclaimers. We're saying that's the problem with the corporate free speech bullshit. Because like, hey, this is going to fix all your problems. And then real quick at the end, but you may die. <laughs> I guess your problems are all gone then, right? I mean, who fucking cares then? But that's part of the, the 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 issue i think with cannabis being medical and then yet recreational and people just not wrapping their heads around it but they also are you know we are so far ahead than where we were like even this robocker amendment you know dana robocker was a republican and i don't know how they got their heads up their asses in the, in the last six years but like it's no longer like grown-ups all civil talking you know that's the thing i was thinking about too is like this whole legalization is for so we can all be functional citizens and, and be uh, part of the process, you know, but instead we have, you're criminals. We're, you know, criminals for just consuming or touching or holding or advocating. And it's the silliest law thing out there. Well, it's a sea change, right? I mean, if you think about where we really are, we're just at the earliest stages of the next era where we have a more open-minded approach to substances that can alter our, our consciousness. See psychedelics. I mean, if you want to get into a really interesting conversation, look at the treatment of psychedelics compared to the treatment of cannabis. You've got the likes of Johns Hopkins and some of the most important uh, institutions of, of medicine education in this country fully behind studies for psilocybin, as they should, because we yeah. should understand what it can do and how it can help us. And look how hard that fight has gone for cannabis uh, to, to even think about it right now. If, if there was a, let's just say an, uh, a hemp farmer who also processed extracts, let's suppose they figured out a cure for cancer. Let's just suppose they did. I'm not saying this is possible. Right. If they even mentioned that they had done this, they could go to jail oh, yeah. for, for harvesting the plant illegally and doing an extract illegally. So what, what that necessarily is doing is preventing the possible cures for name your ailment because we can't study it as well. The permitting process to get trials and things like that for cannabinoids is so much more cumbersome than, than most other things. Yeah, That's the world we're in. But yep. we're, we're heading to a new world is my my yeah no totally prediction but i just don't understand that was uh the common wisdom of the 20th century was oh something's not good ban it just ban it no no none of it we can have none zero tolerance policy 100 we just won't do it it's like don't you think this is a little untenable ban him Ban them. Yeah, it's just right. uh, put, people in, yeah, put people in jail for for having uh, uh, illnesses like drug addiction instead yeah. of treatment. I mean, right. we, we have a warped mindset on on all of this stuff, and right. and no real good explanation anymore if there ever was one. But it gets it gets mm -mm. more warped. Uh, I think and this is one of those little punctilios of law that you hear it, you go, "That's messed up." Uh, evidently, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, alcoholism will qualify. 
but not drug addiction. <laughs> Damn. There you go. Because we have That's favored, we have certain favored drugs. Yeah. Right. We we say alcohol is a favored drug. Um, uh, cannabis, cannabis, or cocaine, or whatever, is disfavored for some reason. Uh, and then we we just we put these, uh, you know, very vague descriptions as to what something is dangerous, meaning it could be easily addicted. And, but if you put heroin and cannabis next to each other and say they're equals, you lose me at that because it's like, yeah. well, we can verify one is different than the other, and and their harm, and we can actually look at the consequences of people's using. But why are we continuing to just pretend that they're the same? Why do we also allow uh, we we put our government? I mean, a nation of laws over science, even like you know, yeah. So the the Congress is in charge of finding the facts, literally all the facts. Everything that's going on in our lives could be found in facts according to Congress, and then create a law that regulates purportedly interstate commerce, which is pretty much anything. And so <laughs> uh, that is frustrating. So much so that. Why is marijuana and、uh, heroin the same under federal law legally? Because Congress found facts that said it was, and nobody ever corrected them because it's、right. a very difficult way to get something overturned. Well, they weren't、right. being found; they were testimony. It was it was bullshit testimony well, that it, was given. When you was... write when you write laws, you there's、yeah. usually like a finding statement at the beginning, like you know the the legislative body finds that these things are are、mm. a problem, and then those are just taken as fact, and then they they regulate drugs according、uh, in in the scheduling. You, you might have... start liking jazz music. <laughs> yeah, oh, bebop. Right, it is. It is. I tell you,、uh, best one is that Fred、uh, no Jimmy McGriff. I like him. He's good. Yeah. But you know the the whole prohibition though it tries to address the problem, but it's blaming the substance and not the actual issue, which is the addiction part, right? Like you could be addicted to video games, uh, uh, sex, you know, uh, 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 case of the Mondays, whatever the hell it is. Some things are、Ooh. bad, some things are good. You know, excessive and, and like that, and that's part of the problem with like people and this like trying to wrap their heads around things. Like, I'm sorry, I'll treat you like an adult if we create this plant and make it legal, and then you can. Either conduct your business without being judged. I mean, that's the whole thing about prohibition. It creates this mindset that、uh, you know you're going to smoke weed and and all of a sudden、uh, do all the fucked up、uh, society things that we think are going to happen. Right? This is the, this is the, thing that, the 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 contradiction here, where it's like you're gonna, you're a villain for being a cannabis consumer, but yet you live in a society of laws and and and、uh, law and order. But yet that one thing you do is going to.、Uh, Annex you from everything else, and, and this is the the issue with the law, right? Because it shouldn't be a law. This shouldn't. Be, this is the one. God, it's like I tell Tom in the future, it's gonna be broccoli. People are gonna understand that cannabis is not a fucking plant. That there is a much to do about nothing. It is so exhausting. <laughs> like all I do is smoke weed, go to work, and go home. I don't have any other issues in life. You know, <laughs> Eric, did you ever like smoke a joint? And just be like, all of a sudden, I should go sell myself on the corner. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I, I've I've been so so far so good. You know, I I I have had a, a fine career professionally,、uh, family life, and and yeah, it, the whole notion's bullshit. We know that, right? But yet, it is lawfully upheld. It's okay to perpetuate this myth bullshit, and and it just. Perturbs me to no end. That it's like you guys don't well, even see how you know the hypocrisy that you have. Well, that, that's you a fantastic that. point. I mean,、Seriously. think of our privilege right now of, of sitting here and discussing this, and 
you know, the Congress uh, hemming and hawing over, uh, you know, laws to legalize. Meanwhile, there are people who have lost years of their life because they were imprisoned for a plant, for having plant material on them. I mean, it's when you really think about it, it's heartbreaking what's going on. People's lives flipped upside down, yeah. you know, neighborhood, neighborhoods torn apart. It's just dreadful, this war on drugs and the casualties. Yeah. Even this privilege though, with you two, like you guys being lawyers and having actual success at the business and, and making financial ends, because like that's what life's about, right? You're making your ends, paying your bills and, and doing things with the people you love or whatever. Whereas like, I'm not in the industry. I, I've been doing it as a citizen activist, you know, but I still I'm in a position where I, my job where I, I don't fear getting fired because I, I'm good what I do. And and, and, I, and I work in the checks and balances and I'm not worried because if I ever get called on it, I'm like, I do what I'm supposed to do all the time. And it's just it's so crazy that there are people in Kentucky and every other place that just afraid you can't even speak. Right. They're afraid to like put their names on a ballot. They're afraid to, to speak up on a YouTube channel or whatever the case is. And because there's real people out there will fuck with you because they're like, Oh, now, now I got something that I can get you with. Now I, I found, I found why you're an asshole. I found it. So dumb. It's, yeah. it's part of the ignorance of how like, we blame and judge each other. Right. I mean, that's, I guess, you know, if you want to get nostalgic for American pride, I mean, that's, that's why our country is, is, is great because we can, we can say this is wrong and we should change it. But then our processes are so slow and we get so fed up with the process, but we're still doing it now. Interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, the places we fled from mostly Europe uh, for, for, for the vast majority of folks here that that have been here in the 20th century and also Asian other countries uh, uh, subsequently after that, they're legalizing it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're losing the global race right now for global market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody from Kenya reached out and was like, "Hey, you want to help us get some weed into Europe?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." But but uh, that, that's really interesting. You're just seeing it everywhere now, and so I think in another five to ten years, it will be everywhere. And I don't think the stigma is really going to go away until they drop that algorithm. Because mm-hmm. like the stigma against the, and I, I don't know, maybe some people do have prejudice in their heart. That's just kind of a shitty way to go through life. But the stigmas have against uh, different people have been uh, dropping at just an alarming rate. But uh, the one against weed has kind of stood there because there's literally an algorithm preventing anybody from calling bullshit on it. And so like mm-hmm. to the extent that you tr- do try to call bullshit on it, you will get censored. And like our yeah. channel is a wonderful example of that. You know, this this uh, channel or this video might get flagged if we talk about the wrong things and they they just won't show it. Uh, but it, how do you change the laws when there's active suppression? Uh, and yeah. and will you know, I, I really hope that we could try to get Elon Musk to show us in the code what censors weed. Yeah. And, and let's just take it out. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe yeah. that's his point. You know, he's coming. He's like, it should be free. Oh, great. I agree. Let's let's stop censoring this. If he pays for it, though, that's that's the question. Is, is the deal going to go through? <laughs> you know, I mean, I well, you know, Elon has good. more money. And so, like, he should be paying because I can't afford that crap. He's, I don't got Twitter money. <laughs> I have a Hyundai. I'm just saying it's like rich people games. He made a lot of noise. He raised the funds, got staging for whatever reason, and then hasn't finished through with it where people are speculating. It's a, it's a big money haggle. Cause he just dumped a bunch of Twitter himself. So, or uh, no, he dumped Tesla. I'm sorry. 
a bunch of Tesla stock. But uh, I think Eric, you made a point though, as far as like, uh, uh, you know, here in, in the States, it, it was so easy. It's so weird how in the beginning it was able to easier to put a person behind bars to create this fucked up law uh, uh, based off of like ignorance. Whereas trying to repeal it and get it pulled back is because the parliamentary procedure is so fucking painful, right? People think, Oh, uh, Biden's in the office. Now everything's taken. Do you know how to do paperwork? Do you know how to get things done? Cause that shit's not, nothing happens fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only reason I think Trump released uh like in my opinion, since I was paying attention, been paying attention with activism trump released like the most pot prisoners in one shot but i think it was because it was all the packets that we put through in the white house right and then you have your people who work in the white house that say hey this seems to be an issue for these uh, chunk of americans if you do this i'll make you look good and uh, uh you know we just need more of that more people submitting things to the white house that way we need a flood the white because you get to get the white house not just either republican democrat but just a fucking building where like they have to function and receive things from us as the citizens to i mean do you do you do any like uh politics or any of that where you're at in dc no i mean i don't know i don't get involved in the lobbying side if that's the question but i think you know we shape politics in, in the courtroom we shape politics in our thinking as attorneys to, to write about these subjects and to represent these clients and to choose so and to openly do so yeah. to stand with the people you know, to say, this is my client. I'm with him. I support him. I'm going to help him figure out how to do what he wants to do under the law. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I believe in this person. I think this is wrong. They shouldn't be prosecuted. And I'm going to go uh, go to battle for this person. And really for everyone that's doing this, that's working in this space. And that's what it takes to change politics, in my opinion. Yep. Totally. Because the, the state doesn't care that it's unconstitutional. Like the, the cannabis law is a good example of that. All right. If it's if it's so bad, go sue. And so if you think that the it's not the 10th Amendment, well, where's the dormant commerce clause? Uh, it's that's actually in, in one of the articles that has to be an article one. So it's an actually an article one cause of action. Uh, the dormant commerce clause will probably eviscerate all the social equity laws over the course of the next 10 years. Sorry, everybody. But um, it's one of those deals where the way that you defined it, uh, it's so preferential only to those people in that particular city or that state. Uh, so New York's social equity program and Illinois social equity program and even not New Jersey's is open, but we can get to that in a bit. And so like all of them require you to be a longtime resident of your state or to have been arrested and convicted by their state. Hmm. So like they are literally discriminating against any other state, which is Classic dormant commerce clause. And so uh, it's going to be one of those things where they're already using it to invalidate residency requirements. They could probably, therefore, uh, expand on that residency to go like, well, you're just not allowed to do that with social equity. And then that gets us to New Jersey with it was the conviction of cannabis anywhere. Mm. Yeah, mm. because then you're not discouraged. I mean, you're still. No, you're I, still I hear that. You know, I get it. Like, I understand social equity's place in, in this. I mean, when you uh, ruin that many lives and putting people in prison and charging them and all this stuff for, for cannabis, like they ought to they ought to be recognized um, in some way. Uh, but there's a balance just like everything else. And you can't solve every social ill that ever befell this country in cannabis law. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I, I think what I'm trying to get through, though, is like how the parliamentary process is so painfully slow. Like here in Washington, we were one of the first states to legalize cannabis, us in Colorado. 
we still don't have homegrown. And there's a homegrown bill that's been stuck in community for four fucking years. Like, just like the Moore Act, just like the Safe Banking Act. All these things are just so people want to reinvent the wheel. But you already, we have to focus on the Morac. We have to focus on the safe banking because those are all the ones that are already out there. Like, because the process is so fucking painful to get through that far. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that's what, what a lot of people should be focused on. I mean, it would be nice. Like, the Robocker, it's weird how it has to get renewed every uh, year with like being an amendment. Like, it's, it can't it's actually go through by itself, right? It's a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's gained in its, um, I don't know. Notoriety is not the right word, but it's it's now included in president in the president's budget himself. So it's mm. it, it's it is certainly elevated in status. I think is the right way to look at that. But you know what we're doing with Rohrbacher is we are really looking where the contours of that live that that law is. Um, we want to understand where does Rohrbacher really have teeth because what it intended mm. was to have teeth. It was right. meant to yeah. take a bite out of DOJ expending funds on marijuana, in particular medical marijuana. And so we want to understand where are the contours, where are those teeth, uh, because they should be they should be coming out. Um, mm -hmm. in, in our estimation, and, and we've put forth this in, in some of our motions, the DOJ crossed a major, major line in this case, and we're going to see where those contours end up and, and whether Rohrbacher really has teeth or it doesn't. Uh, it's a fantastic legal question. It's philosophically interesting. But the other yep. end of this thing is a person, a human being who yeah. had his life flipped upside down because he decided to work with a plant. Right. Well, he decided to work with a plant pursuant to compliance with state law. And so he worked with Excellent his own point, which, yeah. again, these property rights, these aren't federal. These are state property rights. And uh, he had a property right to do that business with that plant. He was working under the, um, what do they call that when you have a license? Uh, the licensure, working under the licensure of the state. And he wasn't out of compliance as far as, where's the evidence that he's out of compliance? Well, isn't it the, the, that kind of thing, kind of like with the patient thing too, as far as the affirmative defense, as far as like, I'm tr I was trying to do all the right shit. Everything's right here. Here's all the... Well, that's what we do in the hemp bills or the hemp laws. And so like a lot of lawyers that are in the industry, they issue legal opinions to hemp farmers where the heck that line is. And so, again, the lawyer is not qualified to give a legal opinion. Only a judge can. But, you know, you, lawyers still give opinion letters. And so um, the reason for that is then you have business records that say, like, what I was doing was compliant with the state law as far as I was aware. I only had 0.3% Delta 9 THC in those gummies. Sure, there was 15 milligrams per gummy, but come on, it was compliant. And uh, that type of stuff. And then those compliance issues are going to be a cottage industry because after it becomes federally legal, uh, it won't immediately become federally legal. There'll be like a three-year, four-year period of regulatory writing and, and then getting in compliance therewith. This is the first crop year of the federal compliance uh, with the uh, 2018 Farm Bill. So it took three years to get that sucker done. It'll mm. take three years to get the federal regulations. And we still don't fully understand what it means, what it intends. We're, we're fighting over <laughs> Delta 8 and Delta 9 coming from that 0.3% dry weight right now in, in, in right. Uh, uh, an appeals court in D.C. Right. I mean, this, this is you may it's going to take that long, but it's going to take even longer even to understand what the hell we were trying to do, you know? Right. <laughs> And then, Tommy, you said before that it's the alcohol industry. It's taken 15 years for that after prohibition ended for that to 
create, you know, and, and we're still going through prohibition here, you know, as far as like in the country, you know, even some states are recreational prohibition overall exists where people's lives are getting messed with, uh, you know, the man, this is just, I think it's unfortunate. Cannabis is still facing the thing the like it's day in court. It hasn't truly seen it. Like when I went through Lance's trial, uh, as you were talking, Eric, about like the, the Robocker amendment and the, uh, uh, the Cole memo, you know, they, they, they try to use the Cole memo reference in his trial, but they said no, because he got read it in 2011 before the thing. So it's not retroactive or whatever. But the, the fact is I saw him, I saw his trial and it, and it railroaded where all the evidence is a step-by-step case of like him falling along the state laws. And it seemed like the federal people were able to like to overlook that. Like just because you were in accordance with everything in the state, you were still against the federal law, which makes you bad person and that's exactly what they looked at they said just because you're in state laws this is in a federal court we need to prosecute that way which i thought was the most bullshit thing just like what well, is like early like 1930s cases where people were getting uh, uh charged and i can't think of the case like because he was black like the case was uh you know obviously egregious um but the ruling was because this one gentleman was black whereas same thing with cannabis where i see people who are being punish just for being with the plant and nothing else like they're overlooking the real situation the real harm which is none being done it's just it's, it's frustrating um do you think how can we how can how can you force the federal people to look at and, and respect the state laws especially since you're going through one of these trials already well we can't even get them to, to respect federal law we're about to force mm. federal law you know yeah it, yeah. that, that raises an actually an excellent question because when you dive into the really the nuance of the law and how to how it works out in the court, what you end up with is putting on display that the DOJ really has to do this mental gymnastics because what it's effectively doing is interpreting state law. Because in order to get the, the protection of Rohrbacher, you have to be substantially compliant with state law. Mm. The, the, the great court question is, well, how compliant is compliant? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You still have the DOJ, the feds, interpreting state law. Yeah. When the, when the, when the, when the, um, in 2016, I believe, a year after Rohrbacher Farr comes out, uh, Dana Rohrbacher wrote a, um, a letter to Attorney General Holder, and, and that letter is fantastic. You ought to read it if you haven't. And it says, you are out there explaining this incorrectly. It, they, they had interpreted it in a way that was like, oh, it only protects the state, like state actors from prosecution. It's like, no, no, no. And it spelled out. It protected everyone involved in licensed medical marijuana, from the doctor to the patient to the operator to the businesses to those serving the businesses, everybody. And you are prevented in every way imaginable from spending funds on that. The letter is wonderful, but it really highlights exactly what's going on. You have the law that's passed. The DOJ, same federal government, doesn't understand the law, misrepresents what it is, misinterprets it. And then applies it incorrectly. And who's left holding the short end of the stick? The person going to jail. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) That's crazy. But, you know, does it also come down to the judge too, right? Like I I said, I saw Lance Lohr's trial, and it was a a railroad of uh, of a sham because of somebody who just because – and again – <clears throat> shops that were getting raided, brick and mortar shops. Not like these fuckers are hiding. 
So it's like this low-hanging fruit of crime out there, which is horrible to see get busted. But there was another judge in Montana during these same raids of 2011 where he actually gave the guy like a 15-year sentence, but then only told him to serve like six months because he's like, I don't know, as this law keeps changing, I don't know if it's right or wrong to actually incarcerate you because, you know, in the end, it's going to be broccoli. In the end, it's going to be uh, an aspirin pill. It's it's it's, it's many well, things. That but, is a good question. I mean, uh, what, what is the role of judges in this? The law is what it is. They're calling balls and strikes, interpreting the law. You know, mm-hmm. they, they apply it correctly. Mm-hmm. But but you still have this very huge elephant in the room of should we even be doing this? Like, we we can all see what's going on in our society. We can all see that the majority of states have a marijuana program of some kind, whether it's medicinal or adult use, or CBD, or a combination. We all know what's going on in Congress. So yeah. so at some point, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? This doesn't make sense to keep prosecuting like like this. You know what I what does the uh, letter constitute then? Like, that letter, is that evidence? Is that at least constitutional intent? Like, you know, it's evidence of constitutional intent, you know, uh, or legislative intent, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, I mean, evidence is its own question, but I mean, certainly it is, it's important for understanding and making the court understand what the intent of the law was and in no uncertain right. terms. Also, the DOJ. If your friendly neighborhood DOJ uh, prosecutor hasn't read that letter and you're a cannabis attorney, I highly encourage you to send it to them um, yes, because to the they should be aware. But if the if the legislation is ambiguous, then can't you look at intent? But if the legislation is unambiguous, you're at its end. You just look at what the law says and then you you apply it. Yeah. But but the don't robot, the government robot, to interpret it the way that we want them to. Well, that's that's why it's yeah. ambiguous, and you need to get to the legislative intent. And so, yeah. um, you know, but I've never tried to put that into. Uh, I, the only time I really got into federal court was a bankruptcy, uh, and so then that was judges. Bankruptcy court is an example of judges sitting in a federal court applying state law because it's all property. Mm-hmm. But think about this. Um, uh, your cannabis businesses out there, are they afforded protections in bankruptcy court? No, they are not. I mean, what's, what world are we living in? <laughs> let's, we're, we're, business, yeah. let's have all this financial capital tied up in this thing. Let's have you have creditors. But if something goes wrong, let's not give you a way to get out of this. Like, it, and, It's... it's I, the world that we are living in is one where I read something from Clarence Thomas and I go, I agree with that. I'm with you. Yeah. What's what up? That, that's, what did he well, say? That was, it was the, uh, the, the policy to our federal policy towards cannabis is more episodic than coherent. Yeah. Mm. Because if it was coherent, it would be consistent throughout. It would be, that's the rules. You wouldn't just be enforcing it at IRC 280E, letting it go by when it's not, uh, it's, you can't bring the hammer down. And so that's fine. And so it's just ridiculous, you know, spot on. Yeah, he's right. It's incoherent. It doesn't make sense. Nothing going on makes sense right now. If if anything could ever fail the rational basis test, how can these facts not be it? Seriously, Mm. because like the rational basis test for constitutionality, it's like, you know, that one in a thousand thing that never happens. But this is it. I mean, like it's freaking bananas. And uh, but how can you ever get a judge to declare it unconstitutional? Uh, because he's going to say it's a political question. Yeah, that, that's that they've done it already, right? With the lawsuit with Sessions, like it, it's you know how many people has cannabis killed since prohibition? You know, the only, you know how many pizzas have died? That's that's only that's that's the real question. Or how many people have gotten mullets? 
Because that we haven't addressed oh, yeah. the real elephant in the room. That's right. Uh, it's, I got a mullet. And I, I, well, like, again, I didn't want it to negatively impact business. So I just shut the company down and had a mullet for a few weeks and, and worked on software. But the, the software really needs to get done. And, um, and so you have to understand how it works. Otherwise, you can't train other people to do it. Uh, and, 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 but it's a really interesting piece called Rally. And that's one of the things. So uh, all the coders that I work with, none are in America. Uh, so like, if you're going to start a software company, go to Canada. Because you have good access to high quality employees, you don't have to pay healthcare, and they aren't all drowning in student loan debt. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> but uh, what else should we talk about with the Robacher Far Amendment before we wrap up? I mean, what is the the most well, important I think thing if I, that people if, need to know? If I could summarize it for uh, two audiences: one, the uh, the attorneys. If you're an attorney and you're in the cannabis space, you really, especially the medicinal cannabis space, you really have to understand what this law is because there isn't a whole lot of case law on it, but there's a lot of opportunity to really evaluate whether there should be more. If uh, your client is a medicinal business or a doctor and they're, and they're getting investigated and the DOJ is spending funds to do an investigation, should we ask the question at that point, can you be spending any funds here? What evidence do you have that they're not in compliance with state law? And every chance we get to wield it as a sword, we should be wielding it as a sword. Uh, so that's my message to them. My message to the, the cannabis uh, operators is understand this law yourself. Start understanding, one, shoot, please be compliant. You know, follow, follow the state laws. It's simple stuff. Talk to an attorney if you don't understand the law, but don't, don't get yourself in the crosshair. But understand that you you have rights in this country and that there are federal protections for medicinal cannabis businesses and it would behoove you to understand what those uh, protections are um, because the government can't be trusted to get it right every time and it's not hard to manufacture a conspiracy that ropes you in and next thing you know your life is flipped upside down so Let's talk about that conspiracy real quick, though, because that's a good point. And that's the only thing that I ever really see when the feds come sniffing around. I mean, you have the Robacher fire shield, which is nice. But why do they always bring the conspiracy charges, Eric? And what is a conspiracy charge? Well, a conspiracy really is, is we can't prove that this thing happened necessarily. But we think there's enough evidence to suggest that you were uh, you were talking about it, collaborating and trying to make it happen. Um, and so we're going to um, say that you are basically guilty of this, of doing this thing, really, because the only thing we can see is that maybe you were talking about doing it. But the problem with conspiracy in, in marijuana world is that the uh, DEA uh, hasn't caught up with where the law is. And so it's applying old understanding, old knowledge, old tactics. It's viewing everything under marijuana as if it was 20 years ago. It doesn't understand that a medical cannabis business is going to look and operate like something that they thought was illegal, that they had this big facility and there's there's cannabis all over the place. And that cannabis people talk to one another and they do business with one another under the law, protected by law. And so when you'll say, yep, we found marijuana on them, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, they were talking about marijuana. Yeah, guess what? They're allowed to do that. They're licensed to do that. So that doesn't tell you that there's a crime potentially happening. It tells you that they're doing their business. And because it's so gray and murky and you you don't understand what the, the legal cannabis world looks like, you're misinterpreting everything. 
And that's why this law exists, because we don't want them misinterpreting this stuff and upending the programs of the states. And let me tell you something. Whatever uh, you know happens in a, in a case, if there is a threat that we're going to take all your stuff, uh, your money and your, your, your house and your cars and all these things, guess what? That's interfering. That is chilling the market. That is chilling the state's ability to have this program, which is, again, what Rohrbacher Far is supposed to be all about. Eric, yep. let, me, uh, let me ask you guys one, stretch it out. Just one one time, uh, Rohrbacher Far covers marijuana. But do you think it also covers the CBD stuff, like the raid that just happened in Kansas? Like, So there's a CBD shop that got raided for Delta 8, 9, 10 products. But when it comes to cannabis and, and, and CBD, all of this is about wellness anyways, right? So isn't that, it's, it's trying to protect the medical side? Well, I mean, my, my take would be is it depends what that program is falling <clears throat> under. I mean, if CBD is falling under you know a medical regime of a particular state, then maybe if it's outside that thing and it isn't viewed as medicinal, meaning state's medical program, then it, then it might not get those protections. But it's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, though. It would have to be a CBD product made under uh, the state's uh, medical program versus, say, a company in, in, in Texas that's shipping out CBD gummies. So, yeah, that's how the laws work. You have to read what it says, and that's what it means. Uh, and that's the most plain explanation I can give. But yeah. uh, this law just specifically says state law, medical marijuana company. And so if that CBD manufacturer was grown by a state licensed medical marijuana company, then yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else, man. But Eric, thank you so much for, for joining us and for talking uh, in great depth about the Robacher Fire Amendment and how uh, people can fight back with uh, undue government interference, at least into the licensed medical mar- marijuana market that's out there. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate being here. It is an important topic. I'm glad you're covering it. Yep. And then how can we get in, uh, how can people reach out and get in touch with you? Uh, so, I mean, my, um, I'm Postel Law on, on, on Instagram and I'm Eric Postel at Parlatory Law Group. Um, my, uh, my email and you could find me on the interwebs. I'm, I'm not that hard to find. Please reach out. Happy to happy to be a resource. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, I'm gonna see you next time. I'll still have the mullet. I'm gonna wear this for a few. Weeks. <laughs> I, I like now it. Now we have to figure out what is the most mullety thing you can do, and that's that's gonna be a reason to tune into cannabis legalization news. See you guys. That's the garden. Mate. Joe Dirt. Yeah, it's definitely Joe Dirt. I should probably go review that as like uh, documentary evidence of what I should do. Then I bang my sister. Okay. <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. That's a reference. <laughs>